faithwire.com. Kyle Rittenhouse, final arguments are happening today. Today's Monday, November 15th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have this top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here. You can find us on iTunes. We're here Monday through Friday. We'd love to have you join us. Joining me today is Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. Trey Gons Phillips is a, a little under the weather, so you're stuck with the two of us today. So <laughs> happy Monday, Billy. Happy Monday. Well, what a great what a great way to start. They're stuck with us. Well, so we've got a bunch of great uh, content to go through here. One one story that is really just standing out to me. It's this Montana pastor. He works as a part time realtor, and he's embroiled in this strange lawsuit with a with a trade organization that deals with real estate. And over the claim of him basically being wrongly accused of violating a hate speech policy. Mm. So we'll talk through that today. Oh, boy. Yeah, the hate speech stuff is interesting because I feel like that's something as we see these games with language, I feel like that's something that we're going to see escalate probably in the next few years, maybe even quicker. But um, something to be on the lookout for. We'll hear more about that coming up. Also, Austria has a crazy COVID uh, order and we'll get into that as well but first we want to start with the big story of the day uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial of course he's on trial after uh, attending uh, riots that happened in the wake of the uh, shooting of Jacob Blake and he ended up what he says in self-defense shot and killed two people who were attacking him wounded another uh, that person also uh, testified during this trial but judge bruce schroeder he dismissed a misdemeanor weapons charge uh, against rittenhouse today just ahead of the closing arguments uh, that are going underway right now and uh, the charge was a possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18 and he could have gotten nine months in prison and a fine for that uh, but now since that one's been removed he's he's still facing five felony charges and if convicted on the most serious charge, could face a mandatory sentence of life in prison. Uh, Judge Schroeder, he dismissed the charge, and then he issued the jury some instructions. Those arguments um, could last up to five hours today. There's eight men and ten women on that jury. Uh, that could be narrowed down uh, to 12 by a drawing of names before these deliberations begin. So a lot going on there. And number two here, the... The bigger story that uh, whatever happens in this verdict is what's going to happen after the verdict. There are already um, uh, officers and um, uh, personnel that are kind of in place in preparing for possible riots in the aftermath of a jury trial that doesn't, you know, the if the result's not what, uh, some of these protesters are looking for. They're expecting that things could potentially go south, which would be horrible because you might see a repeat of exactly what led to this trial in the first place uh, with more riots and more violence. So number three, why does it matter? Well, I mean, we're seeing this divide in our country grow wider and wider. And it's interesting how this case, I mean, people, Billy, they're just no longer able to look at cases like this through... Um, just a well what happened lens they no, put it they yeah. put on a political lens and just view it through that way so a lot of people on the right just assume he's innocent a lot of people on the left just assuming he's guilty and then whatever happens is going to reaffirm 
your predetermined, you know, sort of belief system about the world. So, I mean, that's what I see a lot of when I when I'm looking at the reaction to this case and not a lot of just, well, from a legal perspective, here's what we have. Here's what's going to happen. Yeah, well, and, and a lot of it, you know, you're talking about logic, in fact, and logic, in fact, is the most important thing that we can have. Emotion is also an important thing in the human experience, but it shouldn't be what drives everything else. And I think in these cases, from start to finish, we've moved to a place and it's not just legal cases, it's everything in culture. It's my truth and your truth. And everyone has a different set of facts and truth, facts and quotes. And when you're leading with emotion in that way, it leads you into really bad places. And so I think we we see this happen. We saw it happen at the start of this case. Like you were saying, this is how the case started. And now we're going to hopefully not, but I have a feeling we will see it in the aftermath. We want to see everyone as a, as a villain based on our emotions and our feelings, whether they're partisan feelings or whether they're feelings about issues in culture or society. It's driving all this. And I don't know. I... I I don't know what you think, but to me, that is a recipe for cultural disaster. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, um, and you know, it's look, it's a tragedy all the way around that all these people were there in the first place. Of course, it's controversial that Jacob Blake, that people were even defending him. I mean, here was a guy who was repeatedly sexually assaulting, uh, his, you know, ex-girlfriend or, um, whatever their relationship status was at the time. He repeatedly assaulting her, and somehow became sort of a hero over this. And then, um, you know, uh, and then they protested over that. And then it led to this. So not a lot of heroes in this in this uh, in this story. It's just a lot of tragedy. And um, hopefully and we can continue to pray that the unrest is minimal, whatever, whatever the, you know, result of and the verdict of this case is. Well, that's what we're called to. We're called to peace and we're called to love God and love others. And part of that is, you know, loving facts, right? God gives yeah. us truth. And I think when we don't follow that, we end up in, in a really murky place. And that's where we are right now. So. Yeah. All right. Let's see what you got for story number two. All right, so this story is a little strange. It's a little strange. It's about a Montana pastor. He works part-time as a realtor. His name is Brandon Huber. He's the pastor of Clinton Community Church. Now, he filed a lawsuit, and this lawsuit was filed earlier this month against the Missoula Organization of Realtors. Now, this is a local chapter of the National Association of Realtors. Before we get into the details of his story, let's just go back. Okay, so for point one, and let's look at the fact that last year, and I had no idea this had happened, the National Association of Realtors, they modified their ethics code. And this ethics code essentially says that anything that a a realtor does in their personal or their professional life on the ethics front mm -hmm. can impact their standing with the organization. And so that would basically mean that this code of ethics, it says, look, you can't you know, discriminate based on race or color or religion or sex or handicap or familial status, national origin, sex, sexual orientation or gender identity. So it's like a lot of these hate speech provisions. Um, so now we go back to this individual's story. And this is again, Brandon Huber. He's a pastor. Now, this pastor's church was involved in a program called Kids Eat Free. It was a lunch program, part of the Missoula Food Bank. And this is an organization that gives food out to obviously kids in need. And so the church is providing lunches. And then in June, the church finds out from what we understand that there was a leaflet that was being put into the lunches to celebrate pride. And it had messages about pride, love is love and all of that. 
on these printed materials. So Huber, the pastor of the church, he and the church say, look, we are going to opt out of this. They, they write a letter to the community on a Facebook page explaining why the church is not going to take part anymore in this lunch program because of these leaflets that are being put in the lunches. Now, from a Christian perspective, seems pretty understandable. The church then goes out and hands out 680 lunches on their own. So they, they don't just stop giving food you know, to those in need. They, they start their own lunch program. But apparently someone complained Okay, because he's a part-time realtor. Don't forget this. And in his personal life as a pastor, they viewed uh, that he was being you know, bigoted, apparently, mm-hmm. based on on this perspective of pulling out of this of this lunch program. And so they end up going and complaining. And apparently, this pastor is now up for an ethics ruling on December second. It's a hearing where he could be fined up to $5,000, his membership in the real estate organization, and this is the local chapter, right, of the National Association of Realtors, that he could be, you know, kicked out from his membership. And so right now he's pushing back against that saying, look, I didn't commit any sort of hate speech. I didn't violate any policy. This policy itself, from what I understand, the, the challenge is really about the policy itself, that it's too broad and that enforcing it against him doesn't really make any sense. So why does it matter? Well, this matters because this is a pastor who has made a decision within his church for his church to do something in line with what he believes scripture is telling him. And that is being seen as a violation of an ethics standard. I mean, it's so, it's like three steps removed, if it's all true, from the organization itself, right? He's a part-time realtor who's who's also a pastor. So this has major free speech, um, you know, free speech issues at yeah. hand here. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we did cover, uh, Billy, something a few months ago uh, there was a Minnesota-based realtor named Matt Moore, who's a Christian, and he allowed his real estate license to expire, mostly in part and all t- related to issues, what you're talking about with this uh, new coded, uh, you know, for realtors. They It said, and this is what we uh, documented at the time, that they, quote, must not use harassing speech, hate speech, epithets, or slurs based on race, color, religion, sex, handicap, familial status, national origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity. Um, And so, uh, you know, he saw because of his beliefs on, you know, LGBT issues uh, that he was concerned that that there was no clearly understood definition for so-called quote-unquote hate speech. And so, you know, he, which he noted, which we've talked about a lot, is that it's common that just regular Christian beliefs end up on homosexuality and transgenderism and things like that will be could be labeled hate speech because it's not clearly defined and so it is very interesting because this is i would say one of the first salvos in the hate speech experiment where you have the lgbt crowd who kind of wields all the cultural power at the moment trying to codify this so that any anyone even just saying anything in disagreement could could actually give them real world consequences. So is it is it hate speech for someone to say that my Christian views are bigoted and stupid? Is I don't believe that's hate. I don't really right. care if somebody says that. <laughs> this happens to me all the time on social yeah. media. It happens to you too, I'm sure. So if somebody is criticizing my 
my faith views then, is that a bigoted position? That that would mean they could not be a realtor essentially because this is, if this all checks out, now these, are, of course, you're hearing one side because the other side um, has not spoken out, right? We haven't heard from the, the Missoula Organization of Realtors yet. They're, they're, I guess, the lawyers were reviewing this. But to me, this seems sort of like a very slippery slope. Mm-hmm. And the pastor's own attorney here is saying, Look, the stakes are enormous. He said, quote, the realtor's hate speech rule is intended to purge Christians from the real estate business. Now, whether that's the intention or not, it seems like that could be the effect. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100 percent. And um, we will definitely uh, be keeping an eye on that because that that, that is a, something that Christians need to keep an eye on is where they go with hate speech and particularly these places where it's essentially codified into into, you know, places like uh, of an industry like realtors. So we'll keep an eye on that. We're also keeping an eye here on story number three, Austria. I mean, they are, they are not happy right now. The people there, um, you've got a couple of million people that are going to be locked out of their lives by the government. Um, because they have gone with new nationwide orders. It's a nationwide lockdown for unvaccinated people kind of separating the classes here and it started at midnight on Sunday and it prohibits unvaccinated people 12 and older from leaving their homes for basic activities such as work going to get groceries going for a walk getting vaccinated even (laughs) Uh, so you know authorities clearly are you know trying to justify it by saying that there's rising infections and deaths from COVID and that and we've heard this one before, hospital staff will soon no longer be able to handle the growing influx of COVID-19 patients. So, um, the, I mean, this should be a warning sign, Billy. They got a, this is from the AP article, Chancellor Alexander Schallenberg. He's still got a chancellor in the title. I mean, I don't know. I just <laughs> Whenever seems, I hear that, I, I shiver a little. I know, right? The <laughs> chancellor. It sounds like, you know, Chancellor Palpatine from Star Wars. Like, I mean, come on. It just change the titles. But anyway, uh, So they said that, you know, um, we're trying to protect the people. Therefore, we decided that starting Monday, there will be a lockdown for the unvaccinated. I mean, it's just. I'll just say the obvious counter to that is, well, if the vaccines are working, then why? Why would you care? But I. Well, anyway. and, and beyond that, at what point do the vaccinated become the unvaccinated? Because remember, there's a booster now. So yeah, yeah. are you, you know, it's like, oh, you have to be, you have to have it. Well, when do, when are they going to start including more people in that pool of people who are considered unvaccinated, right? Yeah. You know, I, my vaccine is seven months, you know, since I've gotten it now. Am I, am I now right. out of that? So all of this is such a strange, bizarre, slippery slope. And it just makes you wonder what what is it conditioning people for and yeah. i think too though you're just starting to see people push back on this i wonder what the people there will do it'll be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out yeah i mean the people in australia and it is interesting because you don't um you, you don't see a ton of it in mainstream media of this outcry i mean the australians are not happy i mean they they went down the road of hey here's a friendly app where we're just going to randomly tweet you and if you don't if you don't tweet us a selfie back with your location in 15 minutes, we're going to send some some police out there for you. I mean, that's where Australia is. And, you know, we've done a segment kind of where one of the guests called Australia the the world's largest prison mm. <laughs> because of the because of the restrictions that they're dealing with there. It's and the largest Alcatraz. The largest Alcatraz ever. And so, yeah, I, I can't imagine 
Austrians are going to be thrilled about this, given given the history that they've had to deal with as well. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's really something else just to see these lockdowns and these these measures continue. And I'm bracing myself for here in America because um, you know they've generally stuck to it, but um, where it's not been too crazy. But we're we're also seeing little upticks here. I mean, it did we had a we had a peak. Of COVID cases back, uh, I would say, later in the summer, late August, and it kind of steadily went down now for the last couple months. Like uh, the rest of September and October went down, and now here in November we're getting a little, a little spike. And so, I don't know. We'll see what our government does. Yeah, we just have to hope that here in the U.S. we allow people to have the freedom to make their their own decisions on this and trust people because you know they're adults yeah. and they can do that. <laughs> yeah. So the last headline, the fourth story, I actually found this to be kind of endearing and intriguing. No matter what people think about Will Smith, you know, the actor and the and the rapper, he has shared over the years a story, and he shares it in his new book, Will. The book's called Will. Uh, his his <laughs> Gigi, his grandmother, um, how when he was 12 years old, he was an aspiring rapper, and he had this little notebook that he'd write all of his raps in. And he had, you know, four letter words, expletives, just like, you know, he thought that's what he needed to do to be a rapper. And his grandmother found this book. And instead of yelling at him, confronting him, she actually writes a note on the last page of the book. And and the note says, Dear Willard, which is, is apparently his real name. I didn't know that. <laughs> Truly intelligent people do not have to use words like this to express themselves. Please show the world that you're as smart as we think you are. Love, Gigi. Mm. And he found that letter. And it changed. He never, he did not ever put expletives into his music. That was the reason why this, this simple letter that kind of changed everything for him. Just kind of a cool legacy story. Wow. That is interesting. And, um, you know, because you, there, there, swears, it's such a crutch that, uh, particularly comedians use. Um, and it, it's a crutch to get laughs. It's kind of, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, like flatulence jokes with kids, right? Like if you, <laughs> if you need to make your kids joke, just tell them a good, uh, you know, two joke, right? I mean, yeah. Want to make me laugh? <laughs> go for that too. It just it always works. And that, but I think comedians, you know, lean on that the same way with the language. But of course, you know, as Christians, we know, uh, you know, while none of us are going to live up to this, we know that you know, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So, yep, that's a tough standard to live up to. But it's certainly, um, you know, it's certainly food for thought to think about for ourselves and how and how we're kind of perceived and as as basically as Christians being representatives of Christ. Absolutely. And he may not have lived up to that. I don't know. I haven't watched all of his movies right. and all of his movies, <laughs> but it seems like in his music, yeah. he he did. And that's really intriguing to me. Yeah, I can't really remember. I can't think of anything in his movie. I'm thinking of like movies off the top of my head. I haven't seen it, all of his movies. I've seen right, you know, so Independence Day yeah. and and things know. like that. So maybe I mean, I've heard I've heard getting jiggy with it and all the songs. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the four and three podcast. Don't forget to go over and subscribe on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back here tomorrow with more uh, news from a Christian perspective. As always, you can head on over to faithwire.com and cbnnews.com for more and for the latest of what's going on around the world and around the country today. Hopefully Trey is feeling better by tomorrow and he'll be back with us. And uh, we'll see you then. God bless. Have a great day.